All right, excited for another podcast and episode of Off the Post Boston Sports. What's going on, Carter? Not a whole lot, but there's a bunch going on in the world of Boston right now. And that doesn't have anything to do with the W in it because we are not winning. Well, except for the Patriots last week, but it's against the Bengals. So are we really going to count that one? You can count that as a whoa. Can't even put the full win. Can't even emphasize it. And it was a shady first half in that game that kind of made you think, hmm, are the Bengals going to hang around in this or no? I didn't like any bit of that first half. No, it was horrendous. But something even more horrendous is the Bruins in their last how many games? They have lost six out of the last seven and lost three in a row at home. If I could play some just like dark Star Wars music right now, I'd do it. And it would go so smooth with that comment. What is going on with this hockey team, Carter? Well, we started out the season on a hot streak and we're in a slump. It happens. I'm not concerned about it. I would be – it's weird. I was listening to uh, the radio today, and, and someone was talking about how, you know, it, we, we've lost against some bad teams, some of the worst teams in the league. But it, those losses don't seem to bother me. It's, it's the losses against the better teams in the league, like the Tampa Bays of the world and, or, or the Washington of the world. It's like we had leads in those games, and then at the, most, at, at the beginnings of the period, at the very beginnings of the periods, and at the end of the periods, we can't seem to find either a rhythm or the right way to start, the right way to end. So that's when I think, and I've said it from day one, that's when I think since we've gone from the big bad Bruins to a very finesse hockey team, when we play a team like the Capitals that have big bodies, or we play a team like Tampa that's got big bodies, it seems like right out the gate, the physicality is not there on either end, and we're able to do whatever we want to do with the puck and take that early lead. Then when we go into the locker room, the other team's sitting there saying, okay, we got to bang these guys up. And that's when you see Pasta, Marshan, those guys getting hit. And all of a sudden, the game just shifts because of the physicality. To Marshan's credit, he did lay a couple of really good hockey hits this past game. And I was, I was thinking, was, you know, is Marshan really the guy that should be picking up the physicality right now? It's not. I mean, it's his style. He had to get under people's skin, but he's not usually the guy that's laying down the monstrous hits. He's not. The issue that I have with Marshan, and it's added up over the years, and due to the fact of his flopping that he has had on occasions. Now, before anybody takes this the wrong way, I'm a huge Brad Marshan fan. But due to him either flopping, taking cheap shots, licking people, doing stuff after the whistle, slew-footing people, when he does get taken down, it would be a normal call against anybody else. These refs are not blowing the whistle because I think they're looking at it and saying, ah, that's Brad. Yeah, he's – no, keep it moving. I truly feel that refs look at different players due to their, their record on how they've acted in past years and not putting the whistle to the mouth when they need to. Oh, that, that, makes, me, that makes me immediately think back to – I think it was the last, this past All-Star game. It was it was uh, Brad Marshan and Wes McCauley were mic'd up, and Wes was talking to Brad. He goes, "If I think I, if I call a penalty on you, I think I might get the largest cheer, cheer of the day." And so it's not like the referees don't know these players and they don't know their antics. So it's 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 pretty obvious that that you know the the referees in the league are aware of what Brad Marchand does. And but piggybacking off of that, I saw I forget the actual number, um, but I think it was. 
something along the lines of the brew in terms of reviewed plays and, and overturned goals uh, out of six uh, challenges on the Bruins, which is the most in the NHL five of the five of those goals have been overturned, which is also the most in the NHL. The second closest is three and it's two different teams. But I will say this, if I look at the six that's happened, I've got to agree with at least four of them. Like I don't like the stat. I don't like that it's been Boston. I don't like that it's been against us. Because, come on, any fan doesn't want to see a goal called back. But in the NHL's defense, if it was six calls and four of them were 100% accurate, you can't blame the NHL. It goes back to the rule that if I have a challenge flag, tablet, finger, whatever you throw at the ref in the NHL or in any sport, and I'm correct – if it adds up to be five, six, seven, eight, but I'm correct on 70, 80% of them, is that really the refs against Boston? Or is that just bad luck on our part that these coaches have said, you know what, we're challenging it compared to other coaches just letting it go? What I, I mean, you're, you're not wrong, but what, because to the letter of the law, yes, like in terms of offsides, things like that, and goalie interference calls that aren't getting called our way, that's a whole different story. But a lot of these calls, that are being overturned to the letter of the law. Yes, they're correct. But half of them, I liken it to going 56 and a 55 and you're getting a ticket. You know what I mean? But my argument with you there, are you going above the speed limit? Is that illegal? It's not, it is. It's just to the point where is that where we, is that, would you, is that where we want to start giving out tickets for going 56 to 55? Is that, are we going to accept that or is that not an issue? You know what I mean? So this is when I go back to what I've said from day one with the whole challenge. I get it. Offsides, goalie interference, whatever you want. Two things. One, take the tablet off of the bench. Just like in the NFL, you have somebody from up above that hopes to catch a quick replay to say, yes, challenge it. Don't challenge it. I don't know. It's your call. Take the tablet off the bench. These coaches are able to look at it. Because you got to think when a goal scored, if we counted one, two, three, you're probably talking a full minute and 30 seconds to two minutes before the play is actually the puck is dropped to continue play. Take the tablet away because the aspect of being able to review stuff, just like in the NFL, is quick. It's, hey, I got to throw this flag before the next play's ran. And at the NFL, it's hurry up offense. Hey, we're, we're going quick. Oh, what do I do? Throw it, throw it. It's a chance, and that's why the NHL brought out that rule that if you challenge something, you get it wrong, you're sitting in the box for two minutes. I don't like these tablets on the bench, and I don't like the amount of time they have to dictate what they're about to do. Exactly. So and, and so back to this issue that the Bruins have with winning, a lot of people are talking about missed chances and, and scoring on breakaways and how it should have been, you know, how – I think because I think it was two, maybe maybe three. If I may be misremembering, uh, breakaways that the Bruins had in overtime, and didn't cap either either quick saved it or, or they or I remember Bergeron just missed over the top. I think don't people don't quite realize the level of difficulty, whether it be on a, on a on a on a penalty shootout or a breakaway, the level of pressure, the level of difficulty it takes to put one by a goaltender, let alone a goaltender of, of John Quick's caliber. I kind of try to compare it to the people that haven't played hockey or watch it on TV thinking they should have scored. 
I compare it to when you're driving down the road and the light turns yellow. Do I go? Do I don't go? Do I go? Do I don't go? And you make a decision. You either lock the brakes up and stop or you just throttle down and keep going. These guys don't have time to think about what they're going to do. Shoot out a little bit different because they can come to that slow stop and slide left, slide right, and they do what they want. But when it comes to a regulation or overtime, in-game breakaway, it's, hey, here's what I'm going to do. Here's where I'm going to shoot it. If he's not there, we score. If he's there, I miss. And that's it. I agree. It's, 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 it's the split-second decision that it's, it's so easy to, to, to throw your hands up when you're watching that on the screen. The problem I have with the Bruins, if you look at the actual stats right now, 21-7-7, awesome record. That's great. Number one in the Atlantic, awesome. Goal differential, plus 28. One of, if not the best in the NHL, period, which actually it is. Best goal differential. 12-1-6 at home, 9-6-1 on the road, which that's, that's mediocre. The fact that we have that record, and to this day, 35 games into the season, we haven't played a full 60 minutes blows my mind. I want to know what this hockey team will look like when we, the puck drops till the final buzzer and a full 60s played. What does that hockey team look like? It's almost exactly to this to this point. I mean, look at looking ignoring the early part of the season for the Bruins. It it almost is like the Patriots season. It's like how are they 11 and 3 playing like this? Yeah. I absolutely that's a great comparison. I never even thought of it that way. But it's a great uh, comparison. The only difference I would say is yeah, the Pats the schedule of the first eight weeks, and I hate to even admit this being a Pats fan, but to take the homer outside of me, the first eight weeks were almost a cakewalk. Then you oh, got into that absolutely. schedule. You got into that schedule with Baltimore, Philly, uh, Houston, Chiefs. And even when the season started and I saw that schedule, I was like, hey, when we get to that five or six game gap, that's really going to tell us where we are. On the flip side, you look at the Bruins. We've had hard, easy, hard, tough, easy, hard. It's been a fluctuation. Our game has remained consistent. Even though we're losing to bad teams, struggling against good teams to close out, if you really look at the overall gameplay from game one to 35, the gameplay hasn't changed. I just think we got a lot of puck luck our first 20 to 25 games that we can't really notice or put a finger on to be able to say that's why we won the hockey game. I think you're right. I think it's it's tough. I mean, it's obviously the separation in terms of talent is is way more obvious in the NFL than it is in the NHL. Um, the NHL is still, I think, a league where most teams can beat most teams and any team can be in any team. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. It's, it's sort of the, the NFL, you, you can look at a matchup and almost – if it's not a, a top five matchup, you can almost guarantee, oh, well, the Patriots will probably beat the Bengals or the, the Seahawks will probably beat the Browns. So it's it's not like if when you look at the Bruins going up against the team like the Red Wings, well, the Red Wings pulled out a win. So it's it's and, and that they earned that win. It's not like the Bruins didn't. It's not like the Bruins outplayed 
Detroit and, and Detroit got a couple lucky bounces. No, Detroit earned the win. They outplayed the Bruins. So that's my, that's, that's I think that's I think the difference between the NHL and the NFL right now. Mind you, you give that comparison, and they are a negative sixty-two goal differential. <laughs> exactly. Yes. So no, you, you're hundred percent right in hockey, and you can ask any gambler in the world and ask him what one of the toughest sports to bet on is. And he's going to say hockey. Cause like you said, we can go into tomorrow night's game against the Islanders and that's going to be a even matchup when it comes to the bookies. You go to last night or yeah, last night, the Bruins were huge favorites in Vegas, huge to beat LA. You don't know. You go back to Sunday and you look at the Patriots spread. You're like, yeah, I'll put money on that because I guarantee they're going to win that game. Exactly. Right? There's no way they're going to lose that game. Even though it looks sloppy in the first half, they're not losing that football game. Hockey is different because I feel hockey is truly, you have to play a full game to win. Football, first quarter, ah, whatever, bad uh, turnover, bad offense, whatever. Hockey, you can't have that bad period because once you start playing from behind, everything changes. And momentum is a huge thing in hockey that I think people underestimate on an everyday basis with professional hockey. So what would you put the odds for the Patriots against the Bills this Sunday? Right now, they are minus six and a half in Vegas. I don't like that. If I was a gambler, I would take the Bills plus six and a half. I heard Teddy Bruschi talking today on uh, WEEI, and he made a comment that for the Patriots to win this game, they have to get two turnovers and not give up any turnovers, and that will guarantee a win. But if you allow them to have the same amount of turnovers or even two to one, it's going to be a barn burner. We can't move the ball on offense right now. Julian Edelman's knee is worse than people think right now. Nikhil Harry is a positive side. I love seeing him get that touchdown. He's getting more touches. I truly believe that that guy is going to be a stud no matter who the quarterback is next year moving forward, which is a whole different conversation. But our defense, we have to rely on them to completely shut down Josh Allen. Josh Allen has thrown, I believe it's nine picks all season. And New England got three of those at the beginning of the season. So the man doesn't turn the ball over at all. Yeah, and that's and that's props to Buffalo and how they've been coached leading up to this point. Granted, Buffalo has, has they Buffalo's beaten some good teams, but Buffalo's also lost to some bad teams. And my question mark surrounding Buffalo is do they have an offense that can figure out how to really get by this Patriots defense which is if they can run the ball well and they have a good offensive line then as of late it looks like the Patriots can't defend against that but can 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 Josh Allen surpass well can he get by these cornerbacks and have a good and have a good throwing day which I don't see happening so if if Buffalo can figure out the run game I think that's how they're going to do this obviously don't turn the ball over and don't give the Patriots any short fields because that's really the only way the Patriots are moving forward on offense is is if they get a turnover, if they get a blocked punt, if it's if it's you know they do a good job on special teams, or or they get a pass interference call because Sanu's ankle is still kind of messed up. Obviously Edelman's just probably being held together by tape at this point. It doesn't seem like Brady or McDaniel's trust uh, Nikhil Harry fully yet or Jacoby Myers. So I don't you know, like Sanu. Sanu is not a hundred percent. That's obvious. He's not really getting open more as as much as you would expect he would. And Edelman's going to be double covered. So 
And, le- and that's let me... where I think the Patriots really need to succeed is if this offensive line can somehow figure out to get a hole for whether it be James White or Rex Burkhead or please let it be Sonny Michelle, but it's, it's the offensive line's got to figure it out. Let me blow y'all's mind. So Cole Beasley is leading the team in reception or touchdowns with six for the Buffalo Bills. John Brown's got five, but he's got almost 400 more yards than Beasley. I think we can put Jackson on Beasley, and that's not going to be an issue. And I think you put Gilmore and Brown, which is going to force this team to run the football. But if I had to ask you guys, I want you guys to sit here and think before I give the answer. You have Frank Gore, Singletary as your two main backs, and then Josh Allen at quarterback. And Carter, I want you to take a stab at this, and then I'll read it to you. Out of Frank Gore, Singletary, and Josh Allen, the quarterback, who has more rushing touchdowns and how many do you think they have? I'm pretty sure. I think we ta- I mean, we may have talked about this. We may have not. But I think it's Josh Allen actually has the most rushing touchdowns. And I think it's like, what, five? Frank Gore has a total of two touchdowns all season. Wow. I was, I was not off. I just threw that out of the air. Sing- I, was, I, was, I, was, I was way off. <laughs> Singletary has two touchdowns all season. So both running backs combined have two touchdowns rushing. Josh Allen has nine. Just Josh, nine. Yeah, Josh Allen has doubled with nine rushing touchdowns. Oh, so I wasn't I wasn't that far off. No, you weren't. But the fact that tells me right there, we're not gonna allow this quarterback to run on us, guys. Let, let's be honest. There's Josh Allen is not gonna be the one to decide this game. They're either gonna need Frank Gore or Singletary to step up, in which to your defense. We watched Joe Mixon almost rush for 100 yards in the first half against us last game. My mindset is we're going to load the box up completely and just play one-on-one with Beasley and Brown, which I am very comfortable with. What I worry about is that I think people really downplay how much of a game-changer Josh Allen can be. Has he always been a game-changer? Absolutely not. But I see – what he can do when he has a hole and he's more mobile than I think people give him credit for. And I think he has a decent arm. And if, if he's better coached, I think he can make a difference in the NFL. But I think that's my biggest warning to anyone who's, who's really doubting Josh Allen is that he can, if you downplay it, it can sort of be a trap game for you. Well, I think with the, the, the biggest key factor guys, and let's be honest, the only way we win this game is if we have videotape on the Bills. If we didn't film the Bills last week, we're not going to win. Because let's be honest, that's the only way we win games is by videotaping sidelines and wearing Bruins shirts inside press boxes. So without without videotape, I, there's no way I can guarantee a Patriots win. I don't know how you feel about that, but that's all we're doing nowadays, right? Well, <laughs> let's let's hop on that train for a sec. It's a joke. It's a joke. It's unbelievable that the fact Max Kellerman, Shannon Sharp, Smith, all those guys are calling for Belichick's name, saying suspended for a year, not being able to coach again, Brady benched. Guys, this is such a smoking mirror that it's unbelievable. The man was sent to that game 
to be able to show what the scouting employee looks at. Yes, was the guy an idiot by pointing the camera at the field? Absolutely. Absolutely. Bad mistake. But does everybody listening really feel that the man set up a tripod inside a box full of Bengals, Browns, and NFL security, wearing a Bruins shirt, and pointed at the field to say, I'm going to cheat right now and hope nobody notices? Come on, man. My only issue with this whole story is actually after doing some reading and doing some listening via radio. If you're the Patriots and you don't think about whether you whether you're credentialed or not, if you don't consider what it looks like sending it sending a representative to an away field with a camera in the press box, if you don't think about whether whether you're credentialed or not, if you don't think about how bad that looks or how sketchy that looks, whether you're in the right or not, it's not going to go over well, especially if you make a mistake like pointing the camera on the field like that. So, so let's play, let's play this game. Let's let's play this game real quick. The do your job is supposed to be a different position of an NFL or New England Patriots employee every week. If you're doing the scouting portion, you have to send your team or your camera crew to a game that New England's not even a part of. I I I'll take you one step further and say how important is this series on it's dumb. For, in terms in terms of getting clicks on the Patriots website because it's, it's just going to piss off Bill Belichick who we know has nothing to do with this because he's pissed off that this is just tampering with and 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 dragging his name through the mud when all he wants to do is look at spreadsheets and and, and look at printouts of plays on the sideline instead of using the the excuse my the the iPad <laughs> because he's he's old school he doesn't he doesn't care Agreed. about he doesn't care about docu series he doesn't care about stats he cares about missed tackles and he cares about what the next play is going to be all right so that that leads to my next point if Tom Brady does not return as a New England Patriot quarterback next year and Bill Belichick starts to lean his way out of New England Patriots organization or even retires. I think of a lot of these scandals, issues, cheating, whatever it may be called, is going to be one of the main reasons that that happens. You can't tell me the second Tom Brady got wind of this, he got home, threw his bag down, and said, I'm sick of this. I am sick of this because all I'm going to be known as is the guy that played for the Cheatriots or Bill Belichick. You can't tell me for one second he doesn't sit down at dinner with his family and look at Giselle and his kids and say, this sucks. He can talk it up on the radio all day. I don't pay attention to that. We don't let any noise in. You can't tell me as a human being, as talented as he is and what he's done, that he's not sitting there saying, here we go again. And I had no part in this, but here we go again. I I can only imagine. I just... It, it it irks me that that this happened um, when it obviously shouldn't have. Well, so, I'll tell you this: I, I blame I, I, I blame Kraft, Carter. I do too. I blame I blame. I think it's I 
I don't know where the idea came from. I obviously Kraft is in his his last few years. I think is as president or excuse me as owner of the Patriots. Uh, John Kraft is the president. Um, I think he's working his way out. I think. I mean, I think he's just. I think he's old. And I think you know with his last. I'm gonna call it. I'm gonna call it a scandal, even though it really wasn't. Um, out of Florida. Um, I think which which this. which is the reason now the stuff that a sorry to cut you off but the stuff that AB has recently done on Instagram I'm a hundred percent glad he's not a patriot because he's caused a lot of rift um, with a lot of different things I don't even want to speak to because a lot of it is controversial and I don't want to do that on our channel but the reason AB got cut from us is due to what Kraft did in Florida. Because he knew if he brought AB back after all this stuff and the women issues and stuff that was going on surrounding AB, it would have been a bad look on him. But the thing that pisses me off the most is we are two weeks almost fully into this Spygate 2.0 that they're calling it. And the fact that it was done by Kraft Productions and Robert Kraft has not spoke up once about the entire situation and he's let Brady and Bill have to do the answering to all this pisses me off. Kraft, get on a podium and explain. Explain what you're doing with your production team. Or have a representative explain what you're doing with your production team. What what are you doing right now, Robert? Where are it's, you? Where are that's you? A good, that's a good point. And and it, in terms of like I I have looked at, at jobs within the Patriots myself and it's not job you're not when you're applying for a job, whether it be at Gillette or for the the Patriots organization, you're not applying to a, a position in the Patriots. You're 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 um, applying for a job in the Craft Group or Craft Sports and Entertainment. So he he owns anything involving video production at, at, at Gillette, and he owns everything all the way down to the parking attendants who who charges sixty dollars for a spot five miles away from the stadium. <laughs> so it's it's all. It's all a huge. I'm not going to call it a monopoly, but whatever the next step down from that might be. Yeah, I agree. No, it's just that, that that's the part that's that's just got me so pissed off about it all. Is you're you're having Belichick and Brady have to answer everything, and if it was your quote unquote production team and your do your job series, whatever it is that you're trying to make money off of, speak up. See, he didn't. He didn't deflate gate. He spoke right up immediately and helped Bill and Brady. Well, granted, Bill kind of pawned it off on Brady and says, I don't know how Brady likes his footballs and all that. But you've got to speak up at some point. Do I think this is ridiculous? And, and the argument that I have with people to this day, you look at that video. Yeah, it didn't sound good when you heard the audio of the Bengals security talking to the, to the Patriots employee or Kraft Productions employee. But at the same time, it almost sounded like a man that was afraid to lose his job. Because he was like, hey, look, I'll delete it. I'll delete it right now. There's no intention of anything. I don't have a computer I can move it over to. I don't have a flash drive. It's all right here. Which, to somebody that wants to have an asterisk against the Patriots, that's perfect firepower for him. Because, oh, look, look, he tried to delete it. He wanted to delete it. But if you really step out of football and being a fan of any organization, 
you could truly hear a man in his voice like, oh, shit, I completely messed up. I'm about to lose my job and cause a lot of issues. Let me let me just delete this, please. Carter, if you screw up at your job tomorrow, and it's a huge mistake, there's a possibility that you're going to lose your job, correct? Yeah. That's what that guy was dealing with. He knew that he was going to lose his job, which right now he's suspended and not collecting a paycheck. He knew what was about to happen. He screwed up. And a lot of people don't know part of the story. When he set the tripod up and click record, he walked off to the bathroom. So when they talked about, oh, there's a full eight minutes, the man went to the bathroom and came back. The second he got back, Bengals security and NFL security was there asking what he was doing and to grab his tripod and leave. He didn't zoom in. So I want you to answer this. What competitive edge did the New England Patriots gain if they were to collect this information and use it to cheat, whatever you want to call it? What competitive edge did they get from an aerial view of part of the sideline in the field, not even zoomed in on a single coach, player, or employee? What competitive edge do they get off of that video? Oh, there's none. But the, my what I also take issue with is – if Kraft had come out and said, oh, we fired uh, this, this videographer because he, he broke a rule, he broke a, he broke a league rule, and that's not what we asked him to do, we fired him, People, I think this would have been over the day after. I don't think, you know, since Kraft has stayed, since you said, since Kraft has stayed quiet, it only leads me to believe. Speculation. That, yeah, exactly. I absolutely agree. Uh, but the fact that they're calling it cheating and the fact that they're saying that here we go again, Spygate number two, Spygate number one, I want all of you, hate the Patriots, love the Patriots, look up the documentation on Spygate one, please. Because for what some of you probably don't understand, every single team was doing it. And if you're not familiar with it, please go to yourteamcheats.com. The Denver Broncos have 59 issues with the NFL that they've been fined for, lost draft picks, all of that that nobody talks about. The Giants had doctoring of the footballs. So it's not just New England, and I'm not trying to say I'm a homer and it's and we don't do anything wrong, but a letter was issued by the NFL to stop recording in a certain part of the stadium that showed the sideline of the other team. The Patriots did not remove that camera. And they were fined the $500,000, million dollars, draft pick, all of that. But what, what the general public thinks, a spygate, is there's some guy hidden somewhere, zooming in, recording everything. That was not spygate. Spygate was a general camera that was supposed to be removed, and it wasn't. Was that cheating? Yes, it was, because they were told not to do it. But the fact that everybody bats an eye and doesn't even look at it, blows my mind. Yeah, and I guess the only thing we can do is really wait and see, because you can't... The Patriots will get punished for this, as they should. They broke a rule. Um, so we'll see if they lose a draft pick. We'll see if they get fined, which I think they will. I think I think they're going to lose either... I think they're going to lose a late pick. Um, because the I think we, we downplay how... how often the league hands out um, uh, 
or takes away draft picks uh, for punishing teams. So I think we'll, we'll we'll just wait and see what the punishment is, and we'll see how the Patriots season progresses with with an injured Edelman and, and an injured Sanu and, and two rookie receivers. Well, to wrap this thing up, I'm calling for a win this Saturday. I think we will get a win at home. I'm very confident in that. We will get the bye and see where it goes from there. Um, I know last time we didn't talk about it much, and there's nothing really to talk about right now with the NBA. It's so early. The Celtics play are playing Dallas right now on ESPN, so all of you guys head over to ESPN if you're listening live. Um, Gordon Hayward is having an MRI right now on his foot issue. Wish the best for that man because he's had a lot of bad luck, and I'd love to see him have a full, healthy season. But uh, we can't thank you guys enough for watching, listening, talking, everything Boston sports. Um, Carter, as always, it's a pleasure with you, bud. As always. And uh, we'll keep this thing going. And it's all Boston, all sports, all the time. And we'll talk to you guys later. See you next week. See you, Carter.